So we're a couple days from the new year. Have you thought of your resolutions yet? You thought of the goals you're going to set for 2021 besides just to get out of 2020? How much luck have you had? How much success have you had? Let me put it that way. Of keeping resolutions for more than a week, more than two weeks, more than a month. I know sometimes our goals are things that when it comes to our resolutions, they kind of fall off the radar after a little bit. I get that, certainly. But people make all kinds of resolutions, goals for when the new year comes. They're going to do more of this or less of that. Many times it has to do with our health. Um, we're with getting fit in some way. Maybe, maybe it's mentally healthier. Maybe it's emotionally healthier. Maybe it's physically healthier or trying to lose weight or something like that. Hence, the name of the series that we're starting, that we're going to have kind of scattered throughout the year as uh, various Sundays come up. But this idea of getting fit, studying some of the ways that, at least spiritually, we the disciplines we do, the practices we do, and how they help us get strong. How, starting off today, how this book can make a difference in our lives. And I know... Some people may be watching and think, I don't know about the Bible and all that sort of stuff. And and yes, there is a, you know what, there's a part I'm going to try and address where we, you learn the value of it after you experience it. Like you kind of see the value in hindsight, in 2020, dare I use that phrase, uh, as we approach the new year and get rid of 2020. But I want to explore just a little bit, just to hopefully give you a taste, to to give it a chance. And, you know, here's... The thing when it comes, kind of broadening this back out again, here's the thing when it comes to our disciplines. That's sort of our word for practices, things that we do, um, be it reading the Bible, be it praying, be it uh, fasting, be it going to church, things like that. They're, they're things that we uh, should be doing regularly. Um, just like our other disciplines, our other disciplines maybe of getting fit or doing exercise. A couple of things that just, that kind of covers all of these. Here's the, the fact. If you're trying to get fit, one workout a year is not going to turn you into LeBron James. It's just not going to happen. It takes being regular about it, being consistent about it. In the same way that having one prayer or one time of reading your Bible or one time of going to church isn't going to turn you into Billy Graham. But here's another thing that hopefully gives us a little bit of peace when it comes to the things that we do, these disciplines that we practice, uh, to use the formal terminology, I guess, is that the practices themselves don't bring about total transformation. That is, we believe, a gift from God. But the disciplines help us to be more sensitive to what God is doing. And so they, they kind of heighten our senses. So I'm going to dive into a passage that basically describes this book that we're going to look at as far as the discipline or the practice of reading the Bible. That's sort of the, the first one that we're going to kick off with. This is a passage that comes out of the book of Hebrews, which is kind of on the back half of it, maybe about the back quarter of the Bible. And it's two verses that really describe well and, and pack a lot of punch about what that book contains and what it's like. Check it out. In uh, Hebrews 4, verse 12 to 13, Indeed, the Word of God, the Bible, is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing until it divides soul from spirit, 
joints from marrow, is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And before him, God, no creature is hidden, but all are naked and laid bare to the eyes, to the one to whom we must render an account. I know there's a lot to, to that. And so let's break it down a little bit. Because this is probably the most commonly used tool and yet the least thought about tool as far as developing our health, spiritually speaking. You know, sometimes I do that myself, at kind of an, an occupational ha- hazard. Let's say, for example, I'm preparing a study or a, a series on prayer, for example. And it's like, all right, you know what? I've got, I've got this book, and I've got this book, and I've got the idea book for the praying church. And, oh, yeah, by the way, I have the Bible, too. Um, especially... Especially if you've grown up in the church. I know people may have all varieties of how that story goes out for them. But especially if you've grown up in the church, you can easily think of the Bible as just a text. But you don't consciously look at it and and how to glean all that we can from it. I know a lot of people as well, if you haven't grown up in the church or you've de-churched or something like that, you can look at the Bible and think it's just, just this ancient text and yeah it was it's good literature but it how's it going to change my life uh, what's it going to what does it really say that's any different from any of the other books of antiquity i get that as well and there's a lot to that that uh, we could certainly go over uh, again like i had said last week there's a lot though that um, knowing it information that we know isn't necessarily going to change our lives and so I'm going to dive in. That's why I chose this passage. I'm going to dive into this passage and look at how the Bible describes itself so that if we give it a chance, we can see these things come to fruition. Because the passage that I read describes the Bible and it gives a reaction to it. So let's check out how we can get the most out of it. Just even giving it a chance. That's all I'm asking. Give it a chance to check it out and and see where do we go from there. So how is the Bible described? It, using its own words, I get that. But it's described as the Word of God. Now, don't let your mind skip over this part. Now, for history buffs, uh, I happen to be one myself. Uh, that's actually what I got my undergrad degree in. It was history. If you want to learn what it was like when the United States was born, we cannot interview Thomas Jefferson or John Adams or any of the other founding fathers um, Sorry, we don't have time travel figured out quite yet. Maybe in 2021, I don't know. But probably the most valuable tool that we have when it comes to studying history of the United States is to look at uh, the letters that these people wrote, the journals that these people wrote. Um, There's tons of, of documents out there that are easily available that we can get into their the minds of these creators of our country more than any other data source. And if we want to know what is in the mind of God, really the same kind of principle works. It, everything the head needs to know about how to have a relationship with God, how to see God work, comes, was given in this text. And through this word, God can get into our head and our heart on the same page. It's one of those things that, yes, as I said, you kind of you see it after the fact. Um, you, you sort of give the Bible a chance and then realize the effect that it can have in a positive way. But 
if we give it a chance, that is when we can start to see it become else, how else the author of Hebrews describes this word as living and active. This can be can seem a little bit scary, but it is amazing how right uh, those words can be. To say that it's not a dead book, it's not a, just a text of antiquity, it's not irrelevant. It does actually make a difference and apply to our lives today, our Monday morning today. Valuable as they may be, letters from history, letters from Thomas Jefferson and, and George Washington, the founding fathers and all that, may teach us a lot about history and may teach us a lot in general, but they don't change lives on their own. God's word does otherwise. As Paul says uh, in one of his letters, uh, in 1 Thessalonians 2, 13, he says, We constantly give thanks to God for this, that when you received the word of God that you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but as what it really is, God's word, which is also at work in you believers. So how else does this text, this passage describe the Bible? as sharp, as piercing, as able to judge. In 21st century language, it, al it allows us to rip off the mask, We're quite literally, I guess, in, in terms of our times nowadays, but it allows us to clear through the crud. It allows us to dissolve the Sunday best and stop pretending that everything is like we post on Instagram or what we say on Facebook or Pinterest. I guarantee no human book can do that, can get us to look inside and, and see those things about our life that maybe needs changing, that needs, that could grow. The Word of God does exactly that. And the end result we see in verse 13 out of Hebrews 4, And before him no creature is hidden, but all are naked and laid bare to the eyes of the one to whom we must render an account. Now, if that's a scary proposition, I get those can be kind of scary words that no creature is hidden, all are naked and laid bare. Take comfort in the fact that God provides fair warning or that scripture provides fair warning should we pay attention to it. And the God who wrote this book is not a God who's looking to see us laid bare and naked and, and all exposed and, and judge us out of that. But if we give this God a chance, he will take that, take that nakedness, that vulnerability, and transform it and do incredible good with it. I mean, put all of this together and can play out like this. You, know, you ever, for those who have given the Bible a chance, um, if you have not, understand that sometimes this happens because we're human beings. But sometimes you read the Bible and in your head you, it kind of sounds like, uh, Brian, this is where you are. You have sin in your life, where you need to change something, where things aren't going the way they're supposed to go. What's the instinctual reaction when you hear something like that? It's like, no, bad Bible. Go away. I don't want you around anymore. Stay away. It's a living word. It cuts past the mask. It cuts past what we, the perception we want other people to have and it gets down to our hearts. That's not a bad thing if we're willing to work on it, if we let it work on us. Now note here, I didn't say it was an easy thing. I didn't say it's not sometimes even a painful thing. 
But the danger comes not in the word transforming us from the inside out and, and convicting us from the inside out. The danger comes when the reaction is, like the writer of Hebrews says a little bit earlier, in Hebrews 3.15, As it is said today, Today, if you hear my voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. See, if spiritual disciplines, reading the Bible being one of them, if one of the after effects of that or byproducts of that is that it increases our understanding or our awareness of God working in our lives and working in our world, even when our world seems like, God, where in the world are you? A hardened heart. Do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. A hardened heart is numb to God's working. Enough said. It, it looks and it can't see God working at all. So how do we make the most of reading this text? How do we make, because I know you may hear this and you may be like, fine, Brian, I get it. This book says a lot of good things about itself. You know, every, everybody's going to give themselves five stars on Google. I mean, come on, why would the Bible be any different? I get that. So how do we make the most out of reading this book that it's actually going to apply on Monday morning? It's actually going to apply when you're having a fight with your spouse or your kids are driving you up the wall. Here's how we can make that work. Here's how we can take what is in here that, yes, was written 2,000 years plus ago and make it apply today. Here's how. There's many ways we can work on this. I'm going to, I'm going to try and give you... Um, some that work great with the narratives. Story. Because story is something we can all connect with, right? Deals with human beings in human being situations. And the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, are where I start with this. Because these are, they're entirely story. They're entirely interactions between people and situations. And there's a, a way that is, it's very, uh, very simple to relate. It does not take a lot to find our place in it. Because the narratives, the stories, have characters, right? You have just some of the more famous ones. You have Jesus and Zacchaeus. You have the prodigal son. You have the father. You have the older son in sort of this triad story going on. So let's take any of the stories here. You have um, Jesus and a father who just lost his daughter. You have people who are sick and have been sick for over a decade and the doctors don't know what's up and you have Jesus in there and there's an interaction, human beings talking. So how do we identify or who do we identify with in your current situation? Maybe it's that very story of a woman. She had been sick for 12 years. No doctor could figure it out. No magician could figure out. No sorcerer could figure out what was up. Maybe you are one or you have a loved one who has been dealing with health issues for a long time and nobody's got an answer. Maybe you, could, you drop into that story and you relate and like, bam, that is me. That is my mom. That is my child. Now, true, some of these stories, or all of these stories come from 2,000 years ago or more, depending on where you're at. But human beings were human beings back then as well. Same needs, same feelings, same emotions, same ways that society worked as far as how it interacted. Yeah, it's a different society, a different culture, but there's still some similarities that we can hang on to. Stuff like joy and freedom, they were still good back then, the way they are now. Hurt, betrayal, fear were still bad, 
the same way they are now. So when we look at it at a story level, if you, you read an episode and you drop yourself into it, how would you have reacted in the story that you're reading? And some of these stories are, you know, 10 sentences long. It's not like you're trying to read War and Peace here. But check out one little story and then see how you would react if you were a character in that story. And be honest with yourself. I mean, this is, this is not, um, you know, I, I talk about what we would post on Instagram and, and Pinterest and all the, the image we want to put out to other people and let other people see of us. This is simply between you and God. There's no, it's not a test to be passed as far as understanding how would you react. And this is a point where you could look at a story and go, yeah, I'd, I'd have probably wanted to punch that guy's lights out. Maybe there are certain stories, I can think of some, that you may, you may read it and you think, if I'm this character, that's how I, want, how I would probably react. Okay, that's being honest. A heart that is willing to do that, honestly, is a heart that God can start to work in. To use the Bible's language, it's not a hard heart, it's a soft heart. A heart that, you know, I, I play Play-Doh with my kids every now and then, and um, soft Play-Doh can be formed, can, is malleable, can be turned into something cool, something neat. Hard Play-Doh, like a hard heart, is very hard to manipulate. It's hard to do anything with it, other than throw it in the garbage. Hearts work kind of the same way as that Play-Doh does. And if we are honest about how we would react, then that's awesome. And we can start to, God can start to use that to work in us. In the ways that, you know what, when it comes to Monday morning, and we are having a rough day, or we're having a fight, or maybe even when things are good, that work, that transformation that God can do, can ma being malleable with our, our hearts and our lives from the inside out, that can start to make a difference. And we'll, we'll start to remember those things. And it starts to play out in our daily lives. Because maybe you've identified with one of the characters or with a story. So think through, how, does it, how do they transpose into your life? Here's one example um, out of Luke, uh, John 11. It's a story of Jesus' friend Lazarus. And it's a story where we have real believers having a real reaction. Um, the, as the story goes, um, Lazarus was Jesus, one of Jesus' best friends. And they're in two different towns at the time. And Lazarus dies. And uh, Jesus' entourage goes to where Jesus is, tells them, hey, Lazarus died. And Jesus waits. Doesn't go back to, to help out his Lazarus' sisters. He waits. And then eventually, a few days later, he comes back, comes into the area, and he's talking with Mary and Martha, um, the sisters who just lost their brother. And they're like, where were you? Where, what were you doing? And Jesus answers them. And so how does this speak to somebody who's dealing with loss? As you see this very human interaction, and people who believed in Jesus, people who were tight with Jesus, are like, dude, where were you? We needed you, and you didn't show up. How much more human being reaction do you get than something like that, than somebody who's hurt and busted up, basically trying to tell Jesus off? And Jesus responds. And so there is characters in this story, even though it's a story that happened 2,000 years ago, that we can relate to. So how 
does this situation, how does what Jesus says speak into the life of somebody who's dealing with loss today? Because let's face it, there's, if you lost a loved one 2,000 years ago and you lost a loved one today, the emotions are pretty much the same, I'm guessing. You're talking about human beings dealing with the loss of loved ones. There's a lot of similarity, even if there are any differences. So how does that scenario, how does that scene speak to somebody who's dealing with loss today? But here's the cool part. Finding application, finding how that story relates or transposes into our world today, it isn't a right or wrong thing. It's just a matter of being faithful and seeking it out. So the God who wrote a living word also works in the hearts of believers. As I said, when we are willing to be honest and willing to let God through this word transform us and work on us, God says, all right, I'm in. I will do that. I will work to let this good word, this good news, transform you, mold you from the inside out. And it works in our hearts. I, I can't give it in like a how-to or a, a three-step thing of how God does it. I mean, there's God has a bigger toolbox than I'm aware of about how this happens. But I know on the back end, seeing it, having times when I'm in a situation, I'm in you know, a, a fight with the kids or, or I'm having a, uh, an argument with a friend or something like that. Or I'm having, honestly, a, a good discussion. I'm trying to help out a friend, let's say. And things come to my head that I maybe read in the Bible years ago. That I hadn't touched those chapters in, in a long time. And they're popping in my head just at the right time to be able to help somebody else out. And I'm like, that was not an, an ivory tower study. That, I did. that was the word of God applying and coming out when I needed it. That sort of stuff, you, you realize it on the back end, yes. But man, that stuff, when you see it happen, it's like, whoa. So here is my next step for you this week. I'm going to make it a, a, a bit of a challenge for you. If you're a, a print Bible person, you, have a, you like having a physical book, I'm guessing you probably already have one then. Try reading one chapter a day through a gospel. Okay, again, take <laughs> the Gospels are story. So I would probably, my preference usually if, if somebody hasn't done this uh, at all or in a while is to start off with Luke because you don't need to know quite as much background information. You don't, and it's, there's more story that we can relate to, I think, in Luke. You could read a chapter of, a day of Luke and you could be finished by the end of the month. Um, if you're a digital person, <laughs> if you're a digital person, you're kind of like me. Check out uh, the U version app. And you can find it in um, in the Play Store or in uh, you can find it on your computer if you're still using a computer um, or the um, the Apple Store. And do a reading plan. You I mean you can find these things for like seven days, and it it will give you you know a little two paragraph devotional. They're kind of run the whole gamut as far as length and, and the depth they go into and the intensity and all that sort of stuff. But you could find, you know, each day it's like a couple of verses and like a two-paragraph devotional. You blast that out in, in five minutes. But when we build the habit of doing that, 
Like I said earlier, one workout does not turn you into LeBron James, but a workout every day consistently may not turn you into LeBron James, but it'll make you a whole lot stronger than you were before. So give it a try. Check out one of those plans and see just how powerful this book can be, how transformative it can be, and what kind of difference it can make in your life. Let's pray together. God, thank you for giving us the gift of your word, the Bible. Help us be willing to, to give it a try, to be transformed by it in the way only you can do. We pray you would do that in little ways and in big ways. But meet us where we are, wherever that is. All this we pray in your name. Amen.